0: Hey, and welcome to Olivia My Youth. My name is Noel Folkeman. Today's guest is comedian Frank Ford. Frank is one of the founding members of the comedy troupe Four Day Weekend. Frank, along with his partners David Ahern and David Wilk, co wrote Happy Accidents The Transformative Power of Yes and at Work and in Life. I talked to Frank about how he got started in comedy, who were some of his influences growing up, and how Frank went from a six figure full time job at a major corporation to doing Four Day Weekend full-time and of course we talk about happy accidents here's my conversation with frank and joining me now is frank ford frank is one of the founding members of the comedy troupe four-day weekend frank how you doing i'm doing very well thank you so much for having me on it's an honor and a pleasure oh the pleasure's all mine um i I just want to Talk about the name of the the group, 4-Day Weekend. I'm a huge Simpsons fan, so I I, I love the kind of the throwback to The Simpsons there.
1: Yes, that's right. Uh, Not many people, I guess some people know it now, but that was, we were trying to figure out a name for the group, and it came from uh, an episode of The Simpsons, 4-Day Weekend, is sort of an homage to The Simpsons, and it was uh, an episode where, uh, you know, Homer wanted to take off Friday from work. And of course, tells uh, Mr. Burns, and uh, he's told, you know, if you if you take if you don't come in to work on Friday, don't bother coming in on Monday, meaning you'd be fired. And of course, Homer misinterprets that and goes, four day weekend, thinking he's getting an extra day. And we just thought it was a a, a fun sounding name, like a four day weekend sounds fun, like everybody loves a four day weekend. And then yes, yeah, it was uh, uh, an homage to The Simpsons, a show that we love as well. Yes. Yeah
0: yeah no uh, definitely besides just the name how much has like the Simpsons like influenced you and your other members of the group
1: oh you know well um, we've had a lot of influences uh, uh, throughout our our lives you know uh, everything from the Kel Burnett show to Saturday Night Live to Monty Python to Benny Hill I I mean you name it and then stand up you know Richard Pryor, George Carlin, Steve Martin, you know there's been a lot of influences uh, and The Simpsons of course on our, our comedy over the decades, over the years and it and, and sort of now you know everybody's coming from different walks of life but but there's this amalgam of all of those
0: exactly. I mean, it's funny because, you know, you talk about The Simpsons and it's, you know, 30 years now. And when that show first debuted, it was kind of risque. And I remember, like, Dan Dan Quell, I believe, who was the vice president at the time, was, like, condemning Bart Simpson and and all that. And you look at it now with all the other animated shows, it's it's pretty tame. Yeah, it
1: it is. I remember that, you know, when they were trying to, uh, you know, point to... uh, Simpson and Cowabunga and and oh my gosh why why is this this you know irascible sort of you know troublemaking kid uh, you know now this pop cultural sort of icon and and you know it, which which is silly because it, it was an animated cartoon and, and you know and, so yeah it, things got out of hand and but by today's standards a uh, Homer Simpson and, and and you know the antics he was You know, doing a and those catchphrases, they they seem very, very mild now uh, in in comparison to, to what's going on today, for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now you said, you know, the comedy bug bit you pretty early on. How early on was that?
1: Right. In the back of her record collection, my mom had comedy albums on vinyl, uh, like Jonathan Winters. <laughs> Steve Martin album, and I remember in our household, my mom—you could not curse. There was no cursing <laughs> allowed. It was a big thing. Right. and uh, I was listening to my Steve Martin album, you know, under the covers on my turntable, and he dropped an S bomb <laughs> on the album, and he happened to drop the S bomb when my mom was bringing laundry into
0: my bedroom. Of course, she heard it. Album. What I did as a kid, this is pretty good for a kid. I said, "Hold on, Mom, I'm gonna make a deal with you." <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had to be that, that ten years old, eleven, something like that. I can't remember, right. but it was young. And uh, I said, "Listen, this is uh, this is a Steve Martin album. I know he said a bad word, but will you listen to it with me? And if you laugh, then then I can't be in trouble. And, and if you don't laugh, I'll accept whatever punishment hmm. you deliver." up, she saw a little bit of herself in me enjoying comedy, and from that moment up, she sort of nurtured that. So when I wanted to stay up and watch Saturday Night Live, or, or David Letterman, or Benny Hill, you know, or, or any of these shows, Monty Python, or, or the Carol Burnett Show, my mom would allow that to happen, and I really credit her with sort of nurturing that part of me at a very, very early age, because as it turned out, me to you
0: know always this encouraged me to follow my dreams and do what I love to do and I wish that upon anybody but that's really what what helped me get to where I am now because I had that support from from my mom it was great right that's great and that's you know really quick thinking for like a, you know a 10 11 12 year old to, to do you know to do that <laughs> yeah yeah well I had to give the gap back then too you know <laughs> right exactly Obviously. yeah No. no that like you know quick thinking is that how pretty much your love of improv started as well?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, you know, when it came to school and academics, of course, you know, my family was, um, uh, that was a, a, a very important thing. So a lot of my life academics was very structured all the way up to college. And, of course, when I left college, I
0: was recruited at college by a company called Texas Instruments. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, does, of course, does graphing
1: calculators. And, and, and at the time, did consumer electronics. Toys and products for kids, and even notebook computers and science equipment—you name it. Everything was very, very, very structured. And the thing that I really liked about improv, which I started forty weekend while working uh, in corporate America, was that it was very unstructured. So, as left brain as I was growing up through through uh, through academia and through my academics, it was a nice release. Uh, or or outlet for my right within the creative side to sort of express it uh, itself and and improv is beyond unstructured so it was it was a nice contrast to the structured sort of life that I had lived up to that point so I was able to really embrace it and I, and I just love improv for that because it, it is so unstructured and it's, it's brainstorming and it's co-creation and it's you know teamwork and you're collaborating on the fly and so all of that stuff appeals uh, to my right brain very, very
0: much. Now when you when you work in improv with the team, you're really only as strong as the other members. Uh, how did you get involved with the, you know, with uh, with David Ahern and David Wolk and the rest of them? Uh, yeah, and Troy Grant and
1: Oliver Paul and Josh Roberts. Well everybody like me had their own path of journey or in- Amy Poehler, you know, a lot of these people came out of improv backgrounds, and now it's gotten a lot more uh, of a spotlight put on it, you know, now there's people who, you mentioned Del Close's name, and they'll be like, oh yeah, I've heard of Del Close, right, the godfather of improv, Hmm. really what served as the inspiration uh, to start our own show. And we all started going up to the conservatory uh, in Chicago and studying, and and when I was there at the conservatory, I was there during, in my opinion, a golden era. Uh, You know, Mick Napier was a a very well-renowned director in in Chicago doing a a review called Pinata Full of Beads. And that's where I saw Rachel Dratch and Tina Fey uh, amongst others uh, performed their Scott Adsit uh, Kevin Dorr you know a lot of these right.
0: people that went on to bigger and better things and we were so inspired with that we came back
1: to Texas to start our own show we just gravitated towards each other because we had a similar
0: You said you uh, you guys were doing the shows part time as you were working in corporate America. What was the decision to do this full time and how difficult was that decision? Well, you know,
1: that's a great question. Um, We have been in business for a I stock options, pension, 401k. You know, here I am. I'm, I'm set. You know, if I ride this out, everything's going to be all right. That would be the playbook that I should follow in life. That was the safe play. But my business partner, David Wilk, who is also one of my best friends, we're all best friends, by the way, he said to me, the friend, you know, we've come as far as we can go with four-day weekend, treating it as a hobby. And if we treating it as a hobby, we're going to get hobby results. And basically, it was a crossroads moment. And, and 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 what was being put out there was, we needed to all band together into this full time to see where we could take it. But it required everybody's involvement. Full time. 100%. And the thing that stood out to me in that moment was Henry Davis ride that out and that would be the safe place would I regret not knowing what four days could have been and the answer was yes and once I answered that question the decision to cross over or leave was was easy um, you know and then of course my you know I had support from my family but but yeah it was a risky proposition to say the least but but the but the question for me was would I regret it and could I live with that regret the answer was I would regret it, and I couldn't live with the regret. So we all kind of reached that crossroads individually and decided, yeah, we're going to do this together because they're, A, they're my best friends, but, two, I had such faith in, in each of them and, and, and they and me Right. terrible actually on paper uh, but we had a, a very good uh, consultant who worked for this day yeah you guys were a little delusional and and at first I took umbrage I was uh, an offense to that but, but he's right we we were a little delusional you know you, you don't know what you don't know and so you, you go for it at a, at a young age with sort of this passion and a
0: You're more conservative. You got to play
1: it safe. You got mortgages, car payments, kids. You don't want a chance. Leave anything to chance. But when you're that age and you have none of those responsibilities, that's the time to do that stuff. And I knew that if I was ever going to do something like that in my life,
0: you do it then. Structured,
1: mm-hmm. that risky. This was the group I was going to do it with, and they felt the same
0: way. Uh, that's great. Now that you you do that for a few years, then how did the um, like corporate gigs come about?
1: Interestingly enough, uh, we never say no in improv. You know, improv is all based on the philosophy of yes, and. And for your listeners who may not know what that is, that is a a mantra or a philosophy that every improv group follows. Meaning, when you're on stage, uh, you have to say yes to whatever ideas the audience throws out or or your your, uh, fellow performers on stage throw out. You accept the ideas, that's the yes part. And then the end part is, You build on that idea. And in our world, there are no right or wrong answers. There's only higher and lower percentage choices. Well, when the show became successful, the live show for the general public, we had somebody come up to us and they said, hey, do you guys do uh, corporate shows, private corporate shows? Well, we had never done a private corporate show. Um, We didn't even know what it was, but we're yes and guys. So we said, yes and we'd love to do yours. And, and it was really kind of that simple where we said yes to it. We, we came up with uh, a, a show, a private show format that we could take on the road. And after our first uh, corporate improv show went really well, well, that led to, you know, word of mouth and a recommendation for the second and so on and so forth. And then the corporate entertainment became a huge part of our business. Well, you know, then people would say, hey, man, this is incredible. We, we love this. You guys teach classes. We didn't have a training center at the time, but we're yes end guys. We said yes end. Uh, we're gonna start one here in the next. <laughs> We'd love to have you sign up. So we were always yes ending whatever came uh, across our path, and that led to the suite of services that we offer. Whether it's uh, corporate entertainment, whether it's training, uh, the training center, the classes, or whether it's the keynote workshops that we do based on our book, our book, Happy Accidents, the transformative power of, uh, of yes and at work and in life. All of that came out of yes ending whatever came across us, because we're yes end guys. So that's really what was instrumental in growing the business. And we've we carried that uh, yes end philosophy offstage as well. And we realized that it worked just as effective offstage as it did on stage.
0: Yeah, now, the, where can uh, my listeners find the book?
1: Okay, your listeners can find the book at Amazon.com. You can just, you know, you Google it uh, or type in 4-Day Weekend or Happy Accidents, the Transformative Couple of Yes End at Work and in Life. You can go to Amazon.com or buy it, or just go to our website, 4dayweekend.com. F-O-U-R is spelled out, dayweekend.com, and you'd be able to find the book there. And it's a really fun read. It's an autobiographical account of our 20-year history. And, and we talk about the successes we had when we... Uh, used yes and, and and where the pitfalls and problems were when we didn't and, and we kind of apply it to us as individual interpersonal relationships and our business uh, because none of us are business majors and you know the big thing is that we were a group of guys that put in 700 bucks piece to start this show 20 years ago and we were able to yes end our way to, you know, the key to this city, the small business of the year, to performing for Congress and, you know, meeting Obama, working with Bush, Colin Powell, becoming our entrepreneurs and residents at the Neely School of Business, a top-flight business school. All of that was based on yes end. So we shared the secrets of yes end with everybody in the book. And it's a fun, funny, uh, informative read.
0: And there's a pretty funny story about meeting another George W. Bush
1: Oh, oh yes, yes, that's right, yes! what well, we were doing uh, uh, an Armed Forces Entertainment tour uh, for the troops, um, and, and we were all over Europe and the Balkans, and we happened to be in Kosovo of all these places, and there was a soldier that came up to us after the show, and he said, oh, I love this show, thank you guys so much for donating your time and coming out and performing with us. He said, I saw on your website and in your bios that you guys have uh, performed for Congress. You've met Obama and, and, and you've worked with George W. Bush a couple of times. And we said, well, yeah, that, that's true. He goes, well, my name is also George W. Bush. And uh, I was wondering, would it be possible to get a signed picture or something from George W. Bush to George W. Bush me? And we said, you know what, yes. We actually know some of his staff. Uh, we'll go and we'll see what we can do. Well, we ended up coming back home, and then through emails and phone calls, orchestrated not only that picture being sent to him that was signed, but then he also called uh, the, the soldier as well, and it was a thrill. And we've been in con- uh, It was a thrill for him. So we were able to make that happen, uh, and, and we just, yes, and it is, his idea, we were like, yes, and we'll do it as we get home, and as it turned out, yeah, it all worked out. We got in touch with uh, his people, and he was uh, generous enough to, to sign a photo and then and also call the soldier, ultimately. So, yeah, another example of a yes and but of but all places in Kosovo, if you can believe
0: that. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, that's an absolutely great story. Uh, yeah, the, the book is Happy Accidents: The Transformative Power of Yes and at Work in Life. Frank, thank you so much for a minutes today. I really appreciate it. Uh, check them out, Four Day Weekend. Uh, do you ever tour besides the corporate gigs? Yes,
1: yeah. yeah. We, we, uh, we perform over 300 days a year. We're, we're When we're not performing in our theater in Sundance Square, in Fort Worth, Fridays and Saturdays, we tour all over the country, all over the world, actually, uh, doing private events. Uh, for Fortune 500 companies and, and so on. So we tour all the time, uh, all over the country. So, yeah, if anyone's ever interested in hiring us for an awards banquet or a keynote or their event, wherever it is, yeah, we, we will travel for sure.
0: All right, that's great. Frank, thanks Thanks again.
1: No, thank you so much. This is an absolute pr- pleasure. I enjoyed speaking with you.
0: And a special thanks to Frank for joining us today. For more information on 40 Weekend, check out their website, dot dayweekendcom that's F O U R. Check out Happy Accidents wherever books are sold. You can follow me on Twitter at TheFirstNoah19. Be sure to like the page Reliving My Youth on Facebook. Please, please rate and review the show on iTunes. A special thanks to everyone who's listening. I can't do it without you guys. And be on the lookout for another episode of Reliving My Youth real soon.